Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favre. Listeners, this is Pastor Jonathan Mason of the Northeast Baptist Church right here in the Frankfurt section of Philadelphia. And I certainly want to welcome you into the pastor's office this Sunday after Christmas. I sure do pray that you had a wonderful Christmas. I know it was a different kind of Christmas. Uh, I know that you weren't able to gather in large groups with family and friends. And you know what? I'm not naive. I know some of you did. So I certainly hope that over the next couple of weeks, you'll be quarantining uh, to make sure that we calm the spread of this disease. But for those of you that were not able to travel, those of you that were not able to be with family, you know what? Just be thankful Thankful, one, that we have a Savior that we celebrated this weekend, but two, be thankful that you've been protected and you've been preserved to see another day. Uh, So I'm just excited to be back in the pastor's office with you uh, as we now look towards a new year. Uh, And and a new year can't come fast enough. Uh, So we are excited over these next few days uh, to move into 2021, and we absolutely Absolutely, move into 2021. Thankful to God for letting us see 2020, but thankful to Him for allowing us to move into another direction. So, I want to introduce to you our first guest of the day. Uh, I've known this gentleman for a good little while. As a matter of fact, uh, he is the representative for the area in which Northeast Baptist Church is located, born and bred in this area. Every time I see him out and about, everybody's saying, yo, what's up, Jason? Yo, what's up? How you doing? So he is from this community. He is this community. And it's so good to see a young brother uh, who is who is elevating himself in the area area of politics to make a difference for the community that he came from. Uh, So it's my pleasure, it's my privilege to welcome into the pastor's office this Sunday afternoon, the representative for the 179th District, Frankfurt being a part of it, Representative Jason Dawkins. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you, Pastor, for having me. I am looking forward and I'm excited about the dialogue we're going to have today. Well, man, I just want to thank you for coming in. I know, uh, first and foremost, that this is a busy time uh, for you. You're back in the district. uh, You're meeting with your constituents and you're getting yourself ready for uh, the new legislative season. But before we even go there, let's share with the Phillies' favorite audience that you had Uh, COVID-19. And I'm thankful to God that you've recovered. But tell our listeners a little bit of what it was like to go through this journey uh, and and, and how you feel after coming out of it about all of those that are dealing with it now. Absolutely. So, um, no, I can tell you the exact day I caught it, November 3rd, Election Day. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Election Day was an important date because, you you know, we wanted to make sure we got the vote out. We wanted to make sure that we was informing uh, our constituents of where to go to vote. There was a lot of uh, moving pieces that day. So we were out in the community um, for most of the day, um, just really hands-on uh, in the community. And through that process, I, you know, contracted COVID-19 at some point uh, of that day. Were you shaking hands and kissing babies in the middle of a pandemic, Jason? Hey, you know, one thing for sure, two things for certain. There's only one way I got here. There's only one way I'm going to stay here. And that's to make sure that folks see me and make sure I'm out there doing uh, constituent uh, community service. But I can tell you, uh, it started out as a common cold, what I thought was a common cold. I didn't start uh, actually, you know, feeling any type of symptoms until probably that Friday evening. And it was one of those brisky nights. And, uh, I, you know, I figured, well, maybe I should have, you know, dressed a little bit more appropriate for the day. 
So I thought I just had a cold. I woke up Saturday, still not really sure what was going on. It wasn't until Saturday evening when I really knew something was wrong. Because Saturday evening, like around 3 o'clock, 3, 4 o'clock, my body kind of just shut down. And I just really start feeling uh, weak fatigue, and I was really tired, and I start uh, having chills. So I said, whoa, this is uh, a lot of those symptoms that we talk about when we talk about COVID and some of the, you know, the early signs you want to look towards and knowing what you need to do. So the very next day, I scheduled a, uh, a test at the CVS just so I can get some results so I can know the status. I took that test on Monday. But Sunday night, I uh, was experiencing the same chills, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, uh, you know, just going through what I presume could have been a flu, start off a common cold, move to a flu, and then you realize you got COVID. Test results came back that Wednesday, and I knew, you know, that I had it. And uh, what I can tell you, what it does to the psyche, once you know you actually have it, it's really hard to listen to the news channels. It's really hard to listen to anything COVID-related because everything they're telling you is about the stories of those who don't make it. So you you go through a, a period where you have to be quarantined. You're by yourself. You, you're hearing these stories about, you, you know, that you're going to stop uh, being able to breathe and all. The, so you start to panic. So I had panic spells throughout the process where I had to really just kind of you know, tune it out and really start to, you know, figure out, okay, I'm not going to allow this to consume me in this way. I'm going to have more willpower than this virus. So really, you just, you, you really got to have the, the strong mental. And I can understand uh, for those uh, who have, you know, some of those other symptoms that we talk about, because what COVID will do is expose all your vulnerable parts. So if you, you experience in diabetes, you experience in high blood pressure or any of those things, Absolutely no. COVID will attack those areas first to ensure that it paralyzes you. The other thing it does is you have a myalgia where you, you, you have aches all through your body. You can't walk. You can't move. It is one of those things that I hear a lot about more severe cases. They, they just tell you it's paralyzing. So I am blessed beyond words that I can sit here today uh, fully uh, recovered from uh, COVID-19. But there's so many almost 300,000 Americans who cannot say the same. So we should take this very seriously. We should make sure we're wearing our masks. And I'm going to encourage our folks to really consider taking a vaccine. I know it is taboo in the African-American community when we talk about vaccines and and, 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 and any of these things. I, I just know that it, that's a very sore subject. I'm telling you, if you want to save your life or save a loved one's life, Please consider it. Science matters, and we need to make sure that we are protecting not only ourselves, but our community and the generation that's coming behind us. You know, there, there's a there's a movement afoot right now uh, where um, iHeart Media uh, has uh, signed a contract with the government uh, for, I believe it's about 31 to $40 million to have an educational campaign. Uh, to help people understand why it's important to take the vaccine. What irks me about that, uh, iHeart is a major corporation owned by white folk. Uh, the, 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 the folks that have the issue with the vaccine are black folk. Now, while iHeart has stations that hit black people, there are a lot of black-owned media out there that is not seeing any of this money to help educate the people that are dedicated to our type of format. So we're trying to fight right now to make sure those educational dollars come so that we can talk to Frankfurt and talk to the communities that we hit and make sure that they know that. But let me say this. I've made a decision. As soon as they call the pastor to take the vaccine, I'm taking it. You know why? Because one, when you do your research, you find out that the doctor that led the charge on the first vaccine was a black woman. Uh, secondly, if we can eat pig feet and chitlins, we can doggone <laughs> take this vaccine. And some of us that have been to college and mixed up some concoctions in bathtubs <laughs> ought not be worried about taking this vaccine. It will be all right. It will, it will protect us because because we cannot afford to have the country go through another full year of what we've dealt with today. And that's part of the reason I, I wanted to talk to you, because, Jason, you know it. You are in, in you're, you're 
listen, I say it all the time on the show, we are in the hood. Uh, and, and suffering wasn't unusual to the folk that we deal with on a daily basis. But now what I'm seeing on a consistent basis when we give away 30,000, 40,000 pounds of food is the folk that are in these food lines are people who never, ever thought they'd be in a food line before. And, and so we've got to get to a point where we stop the people from suffering. And, and you as a state rep, you at the table of decision making, uh, are you seeing that partisan politics in Harrisburg are hurting us in Pennsylvania? Or do you see the politicians trying to come together to help the people that they represent? So it's interesting, right? Um, over the last, I would say, four years, the partisan split has become unbearable. It is embarrassing on all fronts. I am embarrassed at times when folks uh, identify me as elected official from Harrisburg because they assume that we are all cut from the same cloth. I can tell you, partisan politics is really the detriment uh, of decency uh, when it comes to elected officials. We should be putting all that aside and not caring about how many seats we flip. It should be about how many folks are struggling and how do we get them from not struggling. I can tell you this week we had a discussion with Temple Hospital, and one of the issues I raised at Temple Hospital when they were talking about the rollout of the vaccine and how they were trying to like target some of these areas they know are vulnerable, I asked them that question. I said, how many of color or African Americans have contracts to get that word out? That's right. Because economic-driven uh I'd say, uh, vendor opportunities also brings resources back to the community, but also train our people to know how to go about um, obtaining those contracts, how to execute those contracts. Because in the future, if we really want to sustain a movement that is not driven by poverty, we need to teach our folks how to do the business aspect of it. But there's no way to do this if we never get an opportunity to actually have one of those contracts. So I'm always holding folks accountable. That was one of the first pieces of legislation I, I put together was around a procurement a tracking system for Pennsylvania, which we do not have. And I've been encouraging the governor to do this by executive order to create a model similar to uh, what Maryland has. So we can see in real time how many folks do we have that's in the pipeline that can receive these, these particular contracts. And and then when you look at the vaccine being distributed all over this country, it's only two country, two companies that got those contracts, right. FedEx and uh, UPS. That's right. They gave those folks millions and top of millions of dollars to run those operations. It would have been nice to see some sub work built into that that was guaranteed for communities that are suffering. It would be nice to look at some of these universities who have all that endowment, all those resources, all those hospitals who have those resources to reach back into the community in which they're trying to target to make sure that the, the, the messenger of, of the word is coming from those communities, that the deliverer of those uh, of medicines are coming from this community. That is the only way we actually overcome with COVID-19 has exposed because I'm going to tell you, we've been in poverty before COVID-19. Right, right. It has only exposed it to the rest of the world of the things we already knew. So if we want to really have equality and it comes to economic equality, it starts by cutting the check to the communities in which you're trying to serve. And it's caused other and it's and COVID has pulled other communities not before afflicted by poverty into poverty exactly uh, and that that's what's that's what's really opened up eyes right. i had the mayor on a few weeks ago and and he shared that harrisburg has to loosen up the purse strings but then i see an article mm -hmm. about 108 million dollars mm -hmm. that was set aside that did not reach the people it was intended for and now that money is just pushed back. Come on, man. You got to help me understand the, 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 the lunacy around this situation. Well, it starts at the top, right? So when we, when we think about an, a pandemic, a global pandemic, in a normal uh, world, your president would probably be the one leading that charge to ensure that all the governors have the resource they need, and they will have some type of direction that's being driven from the top of saying this is how we're going to disperse 
all these funding streams throughout all the counties in which it's under each state. A nationwide strategy. A, a nationwide strategy. But we've had about 300 strategies. Because we have all these individual plans that are not driven by a, a central point. Right. And this is what the problem is. So this, you have money falling into the cracks. You have millions of dollars that were not utilized because we didn't have a system that everyone can get behind and understand, here's the checks and balances to this system. We're going to guarantee that we're going to get all this money spent because we have real need in that community there's no there's no excuse from none of us right that any money is being turned back into the general fund for any purpose when we're dealing with a pandemic of this size we know once the eviction moratorium is lifted we're going to have a host of new homeless folks is hitting the streets how are we going to be uh how do we manage setting up for that uh what we know is coming so we have a lot of work ahead of us in 2021 it is far from over in terms of the recovery, but I am hopeful that we will uh, figure this thing out. But more importantly, I think this was a wake-up call for a lot of folks who may have uh, been kind of cruising along, not really paying a lot of t attention to politics, paying a lot of attention to the, the finances of how tax dollars is being used or utilized. I think this was the wake-up call that we all needed to really get our houses in order, to get our finances in order, and to ensure that we no longer are that uh, dependent on government. And that is something I've always pushed for. Let, let, let's, let's, let's attack this from... Um... Let's start at testing. Correct. Uh, as you know, we where this church is located, where 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 the studios for Philly's Favor are located, we're right in the heart of it. Absolutely. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I fought for uh, was to get testing on the corner of Folk Rod and Takawana Street because I had not seen testing, wide scale testing in this community. Correct. Uh, and 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 here's the thing that that really kind of took me aback. Uh, the Black Doctors Consortium decided, did decide to make a stop here, and when they came, we tested over 300 people in about four hours. Uh, and, and she told me, that the head, uh, the head of the consortium and a few of our employees, they were concerned about coming to this neighborhood. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why they hadn't been here. But now, after that event, they want to come back next year. Uh, do you find that 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 underserved communities uh, uh, that we're really exposing in this COVID and pandemic generation, what underserved communities are really all about? Because to me, that was the definition of an underserved community. Absolutely. Uh, this is nothing new to me or you because we, we, we live this, we breathe this. A lot of my colleagues have never heard of the word Frankfurt uh, ever. And they've been to Philadelphia numerous times. And you, you mentioned the neighborhood called Frankfurt. Where, where is that located? Are, are you a member of Philadelphia delegation or not? And when I first got elected, I remember I, that's all I was pushing. It was Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Frankfurt. And I, and, I, and I did that for a reason because I wanted folks to really see what ground zero looks like. Um, from, from, from a standpoint of economic uh, disinvestments that has been made, and this is over generations, right. right? This is not something that's happened under one administration or another. This has been something that's been going on for a very long time in this community, and we want to change that. So when I first got into politics under Councilwoman Maria Keone Sanchez's umbrella, the very first thing I was doing is trying to push as much resources into this community as possible because I knew this community has not seen those type of resources or investments. And I wanted to let the, the folks in this community know that you are worth it. When you look at the vote totals and you, you see where our numbers are, we don't do we, we hold our own as it relates to turnout. So this, this community has a voice. The problem is the voice wasn't being met with the resource that they deserve. So we, we want to change that narrative. One of the things that I, I started doing on Saturdays before this was pre-COVID, we were doing um, workshops in the local barbershop, teaching folks how to set up an LLC, teaching folks uh, the understanding uh, of stock market and with the EFT and, and showing folks how real estate works and how to become an owner and how to acquire property. 
We've been doing these things from the muscle because we knew it was important. I understand that a lot of folks see me and they say, well, he's elected official. He kind of has it all. I still live in 1124 area code. Come on. I did not move. I still live right here in East Frankfurt, right? Let's be very clear. There's two sides of this Frankfurt coin. I still live in East Frankfurt. You don't live on the other side of Oxford? I do not live on the other <laughs> side of Oxford yet, right? And that, that don't mean I ain't trying to get over there, but I live in East uh, Frankfurt. And it's important that when I walk out of my house, the local community see that I walk out of my house. They see that I am still a member of this community, and I will always, in my heart, be a member of this community. And, I, and I'm looking forward to us really having that uh, debate around how do we move this poverty conversation into more of a means of a generational wealth conversation. And that is that is my objective. That is something I'm going to strive for and until I am no longer able. Now, listen, I want to talk about, uh, so we talked about testing. Uh, I'm glad we're getting testing in the community. I know that you and I talked before you're working on that to make sure, because it's one of the things that is dangerous about this pandemic, even with the vaccine coming. And we know through all reports that we're not going to reach herd immunity uh, until, yeah, until about August, July, August. So there's still a need for masking, social distancing, and testing. Absolutely. Uh, and so communities like this where people, where there are three generations living in small houses, Correct. testing's critical or else this disease will continue to spread. But I want to I hit another topic uh, that I know um, is something that we've got to deal with on a large-scale basis. You tell kids to learn virtually, mm -hmm. but yet they don't have the tools within their household to learn virtually. Absolutely. And then they're living with a grandmother who, when you say Internet's like, you know who? Yeah, what yeah. is that? You know, how do we lift these children? Now, I'm scared that these children are in a period of, of, of time right now where they are not progressing. Yeah. yeah, they're getting grades every quarter. Yeah, they're going on Zoom and getting on class. But I don't think they're learning. How do we help these kids come up out of this thing? So a few things. This is something we've been talking about from the very beginning onset when we knew virtual was going to be a reality. Um, first thing we wanted to do is make sure every kid had a Chromebook, which was a, a task within itself. Secondly, we had to make sure that the household had internet, which, you know, again, found a large number of households didn't have internet. But then we get into more, uh, I would say, the nuances of all those things. The structure of the household itself. Can the kid actually learn in the household in which they live That's or right. reside? Because a lot of times we we talk about poverty, but I don't think folks have seen poverty up close in person. I'm talking when you it's got a concept. It's <laughs> you go into some of these places and you ask yourself, there's no way a child can learn in this environment. A, it may be too small, too cramped, too loud, too noisy, or this may not have the structure in terms of a kid needs to really focus and lock in. If a lot of distractions are at, at the will or the whim of a child, they're going to be distracted. There's there's no way of getting around it. We know children have a, a, a less uh, attention span than adults, and when you leave that kid unsupervised because the mom or the dad has to go out and work, and now on top of their schoolwork, they have to watch their baby sisters, their baby brothers, and they may have a grandmom that they got to look after her as well. Right. So a kid now has multiple um, things, they, the responsibilities, while they're trying to learn. I've seen this firsthand of watching kids on a live Zoom in the classroom, and the young man is holding his baby sister. And the teacher's like, well, you can't have your He's like, well, I can't put her down. I, my mother's not here. I need to be on. You want to, you want to see screen time, and I have an issue. We get into some, <laughs> get into like detail. The screen time thing is like I'm forced to have my screen on, so you got, you forced to see me with my baby sister. So either I turn the screen off, and you ain't got to see me with my baby sister, or you gonna see my baby sister. So we have, we are really losing the battle as it relates to educating our children right now. What do we do? Do we do we do we do we have enhanced courses during the summer Absolutely. when we come out of this? Do we do I mean do we do we bring do we eliminate vacation time next year and keep these kids in school longer? What do we do to catch them back up? I think we had to change the model which we should have changed years ago. Um 
you know, historically, the summer recess was designed for uh, families to be able to harvest their crop, right? right. That is no longer the, the option, right? The, half the, most of our children have no clue how to plant sunflower seeds. So we know we are in trouble, right? So from that standpoint, so we got to re-envision education. Education should be a year-long thing. It should have breaks in between. But a child needs that uh, um, needs consistency when it comes to learning, right? Because learning becomes a thing that can becomes addictive. But if you are absent from learning, then you forget all the things in which you learn. So it's important that we keep our kids engaged. Um, and I think coming out of this pandemic, the summer recess has to be something that we, we really take a hard look at and say, why do we still have this when we had our children out for almost a year? And we know most of our, our children have fell behind where they started before pre-COVID. So we, we really need to kind of focus on this one issue. We know there is a correlation between uh, uh, high school dropout and uh, prison. We, we know that, that that data exists. If we are continuing to go down this model that we're on, we're going to have a higher dropout rate because most kids are going to see that there's no way I'm catching back up. And it's going to be just too too many distractions to allow them to get refocused. And more importantly, we got to ask ourselves: When the pandemic is over, are we going to send kids back into polluted schools? Are we going to send kids back into asbestos schools? That's a real discussion we've been having around funding the repairs of our schools and having safe schools. You see me? Listen, they can't see me out on the radio grabbing my head. <laughs> but is this and was this not the perfect time yes. for us to direct funding to these school systems to get these these ancient buildings retrofitted and updated so that these children don't have to go to school in circa 1800 school buildings where they get sick from the from the asbestos yeah it's not covid they need to worry about in some of these buildings it is really the asbestos um we we've been having this discussion our our position is to tear some of them down some doesn't don't need to be retrofitted at all. Some just need to be completely leveled and, and built anew so we can have a, a system model that fits the new school of learning. Our, our school systems are still set up in a very, very archaic way that children, they will never be able to learn in, in, the, in that environment. We can learn a lot from some of the tech companies that we see throughout the, throughout the world who have diversified their workspace to really fit their, their workforce. We have not looked at that same model and say, how do we fit our children? We continue to put, you know, the children in the six rows of four, four across, six back. The, those days are really behind us. And I, and I hope uh, someone is listening um, who, who really can, can make that investment in terms of changing of the minds uh, to some folks who need to hear, we've been talking to Dr. Height, we've been talking to PFT, we've been talking to all the, all those folks. But I do think this is a ground level uh, re request that we need to all get behind as the citizens who have children in these school systems. Say no more. We cannot. No, we can no longer send our kid to these these schools that we know are deplorable. We know our kids been behind because of virtual learning, and we're gonna go right back into that same environment. It doesn't work. Let's talk. Uh, you're listening to Philly's Favor, 100.7 FM, 99.5 HD3. You're in the pastor's office with State Representative Jason Dawkins, and we are having a powerful conversation today about what's going on in the local community and how uh, we can get Harrisburg elected politicians, the federal government, to step up and do some of the, the, the challenging things that need to be done in order to help people. But the one thing that I will say as a small business owner mm -hmm. uh, is that small businesses are hurting. Um, you're right here in the neighborhood. I drive by the Chateau every day. Mm -hmm. I see that for sale sign on the mm -hmm. Chateau. I think about all of the events that I've attended at the Chateau. We had our 60th anniversary at the Chateau. Chateau out of business. Yes. Selling to whoever will buy that building. And if you look around this neighbor if you look around the neighborhood, look up top on Frank under the L, businesses are shuttered. People are hurting. These small businesses are hurting. Jason, what is the answer to help these Philadelphia area small businesses? Because here's what we've recognized. Small businesses um, employ 
people of color absolutely uh, and, and minorities and 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 if that was never a fact that was understood gosh almighty it's understood now how do we help these small businesses well uh, 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 like you pastor i'm also a small business owner um i i felt the effects of covid um you know was able to make some changes to pivot um to you know at least balance out uh what i can tell you what we absolutely need to look at to ensure that we can uh, potentially put some of these businesses back on a, a playing field is one, making sure our businesses understand and know where to actually get the resources. What I've heard over and over and over when I ask people, have you applied for PPP? I, I didn't know I could apply for that. Uh, did you apply for SBA disaster loan? I didn't know that was a thing. $150,000 yeah. right there, but people didn't know where to go or how to get it. Because one of the things we do have, uh, it's it's when it comes to business and the paperwork that's associated to some of this stuff, a lot of our communities have shied away from that because, again, historically, those were avenues that were always closed down, so folks just decided to give up on even trying um, this pandemic has opened that SBA door up to virtually every business that's operating. Um, a lot of folks seen that paperwork and seen the verbiage and it was saying, well, I don't understand it. And it wasn't there. There wasn't a shortage of resources. Folks didn't know they even existed. Folks didn't know they can go um, to my office or other like offices to get that knowledge about walking through that process or connecting you to one of the CDFIs to ensure that you can get access to that funding. There is there is a there's no shortage of funding opportunities. The the shortage comes in the knowledge and being able to get that information out, which is goes back to the point you made earlier. The media um, of who uh, folks were employing to get that information out. So if SBA would have came and gave uh, Northeast Baptist uh, the Phillies of uh, Flavors uh, radio station a contract to say, hey, you're going to do the media because your audience is the audience in which we're trying to target, then it would have changed uh, some of these things, right? So it's really about who had the access to the information, when they had access to the information, and knowing how to go about to complete that application correctly to ensure that they were going to get funded. Now, there were certain little uh, things you needed to know, like we call inside baseball that you needed to know to actually get those uh, things approved or making sure that your paperwork was straight. And a lot of times I've heard stories where they were charging folks up to $5,000 to complete these applications that really take a half hour to complete on your own. And it's because of lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding that people were willing to pay those uh, these ridiculous fees in order to get some paperwork done that we should be doing amongst ourselves in this community. So that is one way we want to do it. So coming out of this, I'm saying coming out of this year, uh, we will be hitting the ground in 2021, really focused on small business uh, restaurants in particular, uh, especially our mom and pop restaurants, what we know took a huge, huge, huge hit. And we try to support them as much as we can, but it's only but so far you can you can do when you don't have the infrastructure to stay afloat because you don't have that seed money to float you while other money come in. And a lot of the big guys had that. A lot of small guys did not have that, which is why they went out of business. So uh, just to touch on the point before we move on, uh, this gets back to our, our folks in terms of uh, tax uh, preparation. And this is something we really got to touch on. A lot of that PPP was associated to your payroll tax and how much of it you paid. So I know a lot of times, you know, I hear folks that say, well, I'm trying to figure out how not to pay any taxes. That may have been the downfall for a lot of our businesses because they couldn't show any of those requirements that they needed in order to secure the loan. So it's very important that we really educate our folks on how the tax system works where the benefits come in for businesses and how you can actually make the best of it. The best thing that came out of 2020, 2020 when, as it related to our current president is he showed you guys he could pay $750 in taxes and he could still still live a billionaire lifestyle. 
That, to me, tells me a lot that, one, the system is broken, but, two, there is a way for our folks in our community to have those same advantages to stay in business, the same uh, access that these guys have access all the time. And see, and, and, and here's the thing, Jason. You talk about tax returns, but watch this. Let's take it to, to, to another level. Not only tax returns, you got to keep a P&L. Uh, so because this next round of this next round of uh, uh, relief money in the legislation, you got to show yeah, that yeah. you've got a 25 percent dip from from any quarter from 2019. Well, if you're not keeping a P&L, how can you show that? Then you've got to also understand if you're paying your folks as 1099s as opposed to employees. Guess what? The 1099 can go get some money. But as a business person, you get no benefit from that in the CARES Act. So 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 we've got to learn, you know, the guy that owns the pizza shop, the Chinese restaurant, the dry cleaner, if we haven't learned anything, mm -hmm. we've learned that we've got to keep a suite of financial records that, that are in line with being able to access opportunity. Absolutely. So, so listen, man, this has been a great, man, we could, we could talk all day. I've really enjoyed <laughs> this conversation. I feel like we've given our Phillies favor audience uh, a, a lot of good information. And certainly you being our representative right here in the community, uh, we want to have you back again to talk more as we go into 2021 and as new opportunities come afloat for not only the community, but business owners, uh, for our young people, uh, because we want that information and we want to share it. Uh, but before we go, uh, we're about to go into 2021. What encouragement do you want to offer? My next guest, her name is Jasmine Romaine. She's a motivational speaker. I've been talking politics on this show for the last three, four months since we started it, and it's been a rough year to talk politics. Absolutely. So I got her coming up to motivate some folk, get some folk excited about yeah. going into the new year. What could you share with our audience uh, before we leave to get them ready for the new year? I would say, if you can hear my voice, you are blessed. And if nothing else you take away from this discussion, if you survive 2020, you are blessed. You should count every blessing, but you should absolutely count the blessing that 300,000 Americans will not see the new year. And if you are amongst the living, there is absolutely nothing that you should be uh, complaining about. There's absolutely nothing that you should be out here worried about because I always learn. If you're going to complain about it, don't pray about it. But if you pray about it, don't complain about come on, it. Come on. Representative Jason Dawkins, 179th District, uh, representing the area where Philly's favor is located. Man, I want to thank you for coming into the pastor's office today. I wish you nothing but the best in the new year. Uh, have a blessed, safe, happy new year, and we'll be talking to you in 2021. Thank you, Pastor. Philly's favorite listeners, this is Pastor Jonathan Mason welcoming you back to the pastor's office. I, 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 I need you right now to turn up your radio dials. I, I, I need you right now to pay close attention because we all know that 2020 has been the year. What? The year for us to really reposition ourselves based on this pandemic. Uh, the year for us to, to really ask the question, what in the world? is going on. And let's be honest with one another. Uh, we've taken some hard hits in 2020 uh, as a result of this pandemic. Some people have lost jobs. Uh, and yes, family members and friends uh, that we had at the beginning of 2020, some of them aren't here with us anymore. Uh, uh, so, so there's been some grief. There's been some depression. Uh, there have been some financial issues. But because I believe in Jesus Christ, I absolutely believe that we still ought to give God praise because you know why? We're still here. We're still breathing. Uh, we're still able to move about and correct the things that we, we messed up yesterday because every day you get a new breath, you've got an opportunity to fix what happened yesterday. But I know you need some motivation. Uh, I know you need some encouragement as we prepare to go into 2020. So I've invited someone to join us today. Her name is Jasmine Romaine, and she comes from the Sunshine State. That's right. She comes from where it's 80 degrees all year long. Uh, and so we want to welcome her to the show. Uh, she has written a book called Speak 
to profit, speak with confidence, and jazz up your sales. Uh, she's written Jazzed Inspiration. She's won awards. Uh, she was uh, recognized by the Black Pages of Florida uh, in the top 20 under 40. Uh, she is a dynamo, and I wanted her here today to give you some inspiration and motivation. Do me a favor. Let's welcome Miss Jasmine Romaine to the show. Jasmine, how are you this afternoon? I am so jazzed, Reverend Mason, and I am so happy to be here, sending you all vibes all the way from the sunshine state of Florida. Well, listen, Jasmine, it has been a tough year, and I think you can acknowledge that. Um, and 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 our Phillies' favorite listeners are in need of some motivation. So before we go to any other topics, just give them some encouragement right now. We need some encouragement as we are heading towards the end of one of the most difficult years we've ever ever seen. It indeed has been an uncharted territory type of year, but I do know one thing that is going to help you all get jazzed about success, and that is to know that 2020 was here, but 2021 is on its way. So already claim that everything is already won despite the challenges of this year, despite the loss that we've had. Claim the victory because if you do that, it supersedes the faith for you to be able to speak life and to know how to be able to live, laugh, and love for the new year and be fulfilled with all the possibilities God has. I got to say this, Jasmine, if there was ever a time, and this is this is just my belief, but if there was ever a time for us to take a self-check of where we are in life and then develop a plan to go forward and to pursue all of our dreams and to be the type of men and women that God has called us to be, I would do it in December of 2020. Uh, it's time for a repositioning. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. You have hit the nail. It is time for a repositioning to be able to position yourself for greatness for the next year. And Reverend Mason, one of the things that I love to be able to do is get individuals jazzed about success. And I have these three tips that I want to share with your listeners that's going to help them. So that way, as they reposition themselves, they'll be able to profit in the things that God is calling them to do for abundance. And that could be in their missions. And I want to share that. Is that all right? With Go right you? ahead. Go right ahead. All right. Well, the first thing that you want to make sure that you do is find what gets you jazzed. And you're probably like, well, Jasmine, how can I find what gets me jazzed? I don't even know what to do yet. And I like to say this, whenever you feel that joy factor, whenever you feel something that excites your spirit, excites your soul, take time to write that down throughout the day. And then in night, at evening, make sure you write down like a gratitude list. Put things that have been fulfilling for you, because inside of that are the things that get you jazzed. So you can be able to position yourself towards purpose and position yourself for the new year. The second thing that I want to share with you is because even though this year has been definitely different, one of the things that you want to be able to do is still stay true to you. I always say be authentic. Be who you are called to be. For God has said we have been made fearfully and wonderfully made. So that means use your voice. Use your gifts. Use your talents, but be authentically you in all that you do to be able to prosper. And then last but not least, operate in your strengths. For God has given us all these gifts for us to use. But if we're not operating in those strengths, we're not able to really see the fulfillment. So let's operate in the things that are easy for you, the things that work for you. Maybe for you it's serving. Maybe for you it's just being fun and laughing. Or maybe for you it's actually just being able to be with someone and pray with someone. What are your strengths? Operate in those because as you're doing that, you are not only positioning yourself, you are reinventing yourself for the mission God has for you. I like to tell people all the time on that third point, it's called 
called finding your passion. Don't chase the money, chase your passion. Because if you chase your passion, then the money will naturally follow. So we've got to find our passion, find out what it is we love. And guess what? There's a whole lot of money to be made with the things that we love and the gifts that God has given us to really exploit those opportunities. Jasmine, though, Sarah, some people out there that are saying, wait a second, I don't have the education to do all of this. I don't have the money to do all of this. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I got kids downstairs that are running all over the place and they're trying to do virtual learning. Uh, I, I just, I can't figure out how to make this happen. Give them some confidence as to how they can make it happen for themselves. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that this year has caused us to now balance things all over again, whether it's children or whether it's our own dealings with ourselves, our emotions, every single thing we're dealing with. But one of the things that I want to share with you so you won't feel overwhelmed is for you to start where you are. Remember, every step is a step towards progress. So even if you take one step, which is maybe one hour in the day, to finally find that time to find what gets you jazzed or find that thing that allows you to operate in your gifts, use that time and find a win. Wins are big and wins are small. And sometimes we negate those small wins but those are the wins that equal to big wins. Or even it says in the Bible, if you're grateful for little, there will be a ability to make you ruler over much. So God wants to do that. But you have to be grateful for those little steps that you can make, too, to get you to those greater steps that you have. But take a step. Take that one step that will allow you to dip into what it is you're called to do. It doesn't matter if you don't have the resources. Find a mentor. Find the knowledge, find someone who can be able to pour into you or be able to just work in your gift and do something because that one step can lead you to additional steps that allow you to make that time and commitment to do the rest. There are a lot of businesses that are closing right now due to this pandemic. As a matter of fact, I I saw one uh, statistic that said if we don't get relief out there, as many as two in six businesses will close their doors permanently. We're already at one in six, but, but they're saying that that's going to double, and it could get worse. But one of the things that I have found as we look through history uh, is that when there is a period of down, there also is a period of development and creativity uh, and, and the ability to start something new, even in a down period. What would you say to those individuals that have a business idea? Is this the right time to pursue a new business opportunity? And if so, how would you tell them to go about making that happen? That is a great question, Reverend Mason. And I would say that time is now. Go ahead and say it out loud, audience. The time is now because this is the season to go after additional businesses. And why I say this is because even though there is loss with brick and mortar, there is opportunities to still use voice and speak your brand, even when it comes to using the World Wide Web. So there are still opportunities for you to build, whether you're a service-based business or even a product-based business, that you're able to position your brand story in such a way that you can speak your message. One of the things that I love about being able to speak messages is that you capture individuals with your story, and then not only God gets the glory, but you're also able to make an impact and strategize it where you can make income. With different platforms now amplifying uh, its usage for you to use a voice, such as Clubhouse and Twitter with their new addition feature of Spaces, it's now promoting businesses or allowing businesses to get out there and use their voice. Once you're able to speak with confidence, speak with strategy, you're able to understand how to jazz up your sales where you are able to expand even in an e-commerce type of society and economy right now. So this is the time to look at new businesses, to evolve, to pivot, the word that we've used so much this year, but to pivot into purpose, knowing that you can make additional profits. So, so I want to talk about branding 
because a lot of people don't understand or a lot of people need to be educated to the fact that establishing a brand is paramount uh, in being able to establish an income stream. Uh, so, so what would you say to our listeners, our Philly's favorite listeners, about the importance of brand development, uh, establishing your brand, and then wait a second, after you come up with a strategy, being consistent in delivering that brand message? Absolutely. Everybody is a brand. And I mentioned this in my book, Speak to Profit, because so many times some individuals don't look at themselves as a speaker or even a brand. They're just like, I just have a service and a product. I'm not really like a brand brand. I'm selling someone else's services if I'm an MLM. One of the things that we have to realize is that every single person is a brand. We're all speaking. We are all talking. The only thing that's going to differentiate is if you are sharing value. What value can you be able to give to those you're called to serve? What is it that's going to make you different and stand out to those people who you're called to serve? So even as I mentioned the tips for 2021, one of the things that you want to be able to do is be your authentic in your brand for this is what will pull your audience in and allow you to be able to have that confidence on your voice so many platforms as I mentioned are using voice right now so in order for you to stay consistent and to keep up with the different types of uh, things that are going on in the online space is that you're going to have to find unique ways to use your voice and jazz it up where you're speaking to your audience, but you're also, keyword, building relationships as well. And I think that's what most brands miss because they're talking, but they're not building the relationship. Yes, yes, yes. Networking, networking. I, I was about to go in a different direction, but we talked before we got on the air about where the Holy Spirit leads. Please talk to folks about the importance of networking, of building relationships, not one and done, but long-term relationships that can benefit you for a lifetime. Absolutely. One of my favorite things is to build relationships. I remember when I used to live in the New York area, I would teach a class called Going From Net to Work. But one of the things that you want to do is go from net to work because you realize your network is your net worth. And if you're not building relationships and just talking to people just to get sales or talking to people just to get what you want, you're missing out on the long haul of what can build your brand and what can build you as a person. Because as you're communicating with different individuals, as they continue to leverage off, you'll learn how to continue to build your brand and help them. This is a sowing, reaping type of position. You sow in relationships and you can reap a harvest if you do it correctly. But you have to understand how to network. You're probably like, well, Jasmine, things are close right now. How can I get out and network? Well, let me just tell you, even though things may be closed due to the pandemic, there are still opportunities open through online spaces. Understand how to use online spaces for networking. Reach out to people. Even reach out to those when you feel their name cross around your mind. Reach out to them. For that is the Holy Spirit that is leading you to connect with them mm. for a reason. But find ways to keep in touch with people and build authentic brands by being authentically authentically with them so you can build those relationships that last long and be able to profit when it comes to the love that you give and then also the service that you provide. So those are important. Build those relationships. And don't just do it one day and I'm done. Try to find a schedule that allows you to build consistently. Now, now, now there's this, you know, uh, the, the value of these social media platforms for networking. Uh, I, I want to get your opinion on that. But also, I've been hearing about this clubhouse. You even mentioned it. Uh, so talk to us about the value of these platforms, but then give our listeners a little bit of information about this clubhouse that everybody's talking about now. 
Absolutely. I had just went on live about the clubhouse phenomenon that's going on. And one of the things about clubhouse is it allows individuals to have community. During the pandemic right now, so many people are alone, they're home alone in their home, and they're not able to go out. And what I love about clubhouse is that you can have human connection and actually talk to people using your voice, using your message speaking your story, your expertise, or even being funny, but leading with your gifts and every single thing that God has gifted you with. Now, of course, there are different types of segments that are going on in Clubhouse, but how you leverage that platform will allow you, especially as brands, personal brands, and business brands, to see how you can be able to position yourself where you can even have additional streams of income. So there are ways for you to use your voice for you to speak. And maybe you're maybe you're a nonprofit and you are not really like one who just has something to share when it comes to business, but your nonprofit has a mission and you can share that. There are so many different things that you can do because it's speaking and it's sharing your voice on these platforms. So with Clubhouse, that is a huge phenomenon. I think that everyone should have it. I know right now it's exclusively for certain users with technology, but as soon as it opens up, then you go in there, let your voice be heard. And here's one thing that I don't want to hear from my people in Philadelphia. I don't want to hear, I don't have a message because you do. You have a message. You have a story. Don't let the fear of sharing your story shut you down from not presenting what you have to say, because what you have to say matters and your message has value. And I truly believe that once you have that, that you'll understand how to speak with confidence and jazz up your progress as well as sales in anything that you do. I've surely been enjoying this conversation, uh, uh, but I want to I want to I want to circle to a topic that I think is uh I think it's pretty important to pull all of this together. Uh, I've heard you quote three scriptures. I've heard you talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I can only assume, and, and it's, it's sometimes it's dangerous to assume, but I can only assume that faith is an important part of your life, that faith is an important part of your existence. We're on a gospel radio station. That means we're focused on sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So I don't feel awkward in asking this question, what is the value of faith in a success plan? Ooh, you have me feeling the Holy Ghost shivers on that one. I love it because faith is important. Faith is always the first strategy you'll ever need before you get to any other strategy. In my book, Speak to Profit, I mentioned there are three missions. There's the God mission, there's the business mission, and there's the corporate mission. The God mission is for everyone to be able to receive. That is the love, the, the, the joy, the peace. But it also encompasses faith. If you do not have faith, you will not even be able to have the mindset to receive the possibilities when it comes to profiting for anything. This could be a business owner or not, but we all get profit somehow, some way. But it's the faith to believe the mindset to receive it, and knowing that God has more for you than you can ever imagine. Mm. But you have to believe it to receive it. That's how it works. So that is the first strategy. That first mission is that God mission, and everything else falls into place. Amen, amen, amen. So I'm going to do this in reverse order. Normally you find out about the motivational speaker or the author on the front end of the interview. I want to find out a little bit more about you on the back end of this interview. How did you come into this line uh, of work, uh, motivational speaking, author? Uh, clearly God has played a major role in, in faith has played a major role in your existence, but how did Jasmine become so positive in a world that's full of negative. Woo-wee, Reverend Mason, the Lord, he done did it. <laughs> no, but you know what? One of the things that I realized in my, my journey, my faith walk, is that God really did do this. I started off actually working in radio, and that was my big, big passion. And God just flipped the script. And I remember how it happened. I was rejected from so many corporate opportunities. And I remember I was not so much jazzed because 
I wasn't able to get work, and you need work to be able to survive. But God said, I gave you joy, mm. and joy is stress. Come on, preach. I'm going to jazz it up for you in a whole nother way. And I didn't know that the skills and the gifts that he gave me would lead me into entrepreneurship. So I became an entrepreneur starting off in New York City, where I would be teaching people how to present themselves, how to build their network. And it was the best thing that ever happened. I started feeling jazz. I started feeling jazz about leading my gifts. And I really had fulfillment that the world never gave me before. Mm. It was a new uncharted territory of me going from structure to now being free. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. Because I still not felt free, Reverend Mason. Mm, mm, and mm. it's just L- been a beautiful journey, a L- journey of helping people. Listen, the old folk used to say, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Woo! I'm ready to shout up in here today, today. As my, as, hey, listen, as, my, as one of my mentors said, there's greatness inside of you. And, and that's the thing that we have to share with people, that even in the midst of a pandemic, God has placed greatness inside of us. God doesn't want us to struggle. He doesn't want us to suffer. He wants us to experience all of the joy and all of the pleasure and all of the wonderful things that he's placed in his creation. We've just got to connect with him in order to experience. We've got to get a right relationship with him in order to reap all of the benefits and to sow the harvest. Jasmine Romaine, you have excited me today. Uh, And I want to thank you for joining us in the pastor's office. I tell you, uh, basically on this show, we discuss politics and current events and the things that are impacting our community. But today, I just wanted to take a pivot towards the end of the year, right after we celebrated the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and help our listeners understand that they can go forward, that they can succeed even in the midst of a pandemic. And you've done an awesome job of sharing that with us. Do me a favor before you go, tell the listeners how they can connect with you through social media. Tell them where they can buy your book. Tell them how they can get more jazz. All right. Well, thank you so much again for having me. It's always a delight and my pleasure to get individuals jazzed about success. They can find me on my website at www.jazzcellence.com. Um, and you can also hashtag Jazzed About Success to be on any type of social media with me, whether it's Instagram or Facebook. You can definitely find me there. And then, of course, you can get the book, Speak to Profit, which is an international bestseller, on Amazon as well as my website as well. And you can get an autographed copy if you go through the website. Well, I'm going to go to the website right now, and I'm going to order my autographed copy, and I want to encourage our Philly's favorite listeners to go to her website, jazzalence.com, and get their copy of the book uh, and connect with this great young lady. Jasmine, I hope you don't mind if we call back in the future to get you back on here for a little more jazzing. I'm always jazzed about it, Reverend Mason. All right. Well, Jasmine Romaine, thank you for joining us in the pastor's office this Sunday afternoon. You have a blessed weekend and a blessed new year. Thank you, and you as well. Happy 2021. Well, I certainly want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Pastor's Office. Uh, this is the last Pastor's Office in 2021, and, and and I want to thank all of you for supporting Philly's Favor. Uh, as the owner of this station, uh, I can tell you that the community support has meant everything to us. And if you've been with us in our infancy, oh my goodness, I can't wait to share with you what we're going to be doing in 2021 because we launched in the middle of a pandemic. But in 2021, as we head into January, we've got great plans for this radio station to be a blessing to the community, to minister to the hearts of the people in this community, and to make a difference in the lives of the people that we are exposed to. Listen, as I share that, I want to share this with you. You made it. Come on, give God a hand praise. You made it through 2020. And as Representative Dawkins said, if you can make it through 2020, you can make it through anything. So as we prepare to celebrate New Year's uh, next week on 
Friday or Thursday going into Friday, I want you to just thank the Lord for another opportunity. But as you thank him, prepare to be successful in 2021. Prepare your plan of attack uh, for your business plan, for your family, for anything that it is that God has blessed you to have uh, or to have in front of you to be able to do. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Do not take life for granted. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's taught us to seize every moment. So I say to you, Philly's favorite listeners, Carpe Diem, seize the moment. Make it happen. Thank you for supporting our station. Get ready for a great year in 2021. God bless you. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Yeah.